Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode eight of the Downrange Podcast. I'm Cody. Today, we have a very good guest for you, and that is Mr. Ben Hoteling himself. Ben is a colleague of mine at No Laying Up. He is the lead architect, designer, head superintendent of a par three course called Bruff Creek National. He is a phenomenal human being, wise beyond his years. And we talk about his upbringing, his passion for golf, and the thought process to turn his best friend's backyard into the ultimate playground for him and his friends. I'm very excited about this one. It's a great conversation about growing up, structure that your parents put out in front of you, the simple things that you can do as a role model for your children, which turns into things and traits that they pick up and carry on later in life, as well as what happens when there's a little bit of adversity put in your life. How do you overcome that? And what steps do you make to ultimately make yourself happy, to have the life that you want, the life that you dream of, and ultimately, the life that you deserve. Here's Ben Hoteling. Enjoy. Golf is an outlet, certainly a competitive outlet. Um, but I think more than that, golf is, um, you know, not to be corny, but golf is life. Uh, having, you know, focused on many different aspects of golf from you know, the design side to consuming content to um, actually playing in the dirt to actually playing golf and, and hitting golf shots and you know, playing with friends to playing competitively, it, it really kind of checks all the boxes for me. Um, you know, it's something that that's fun that I can go do with my wife, but also something that, uh, you can get really passionate and excited about. Um, so, so, you know, now that it's bled into, you know, what is, is work now golf is, is truly, um, it's truly something that I, I wake up looking forward to, I, I wake up, you know, excited to um, learn something new about it. It's just con continual, you know, everyday learning opportunity. Um, and, and at the end of the day, I think what what it does for me specifically is it it humbles me, you know, in, in the utmost of, of ways from you know, learning how to mentally battle the, the game itself to, um, you know, having that, that physical outlet of, you know, learning to, to do something and be an athlete and to, you know, play a sport, if you will, uh, it, it truly kind of checks all the boxes. So um, it's not just one thing. It, it's a little bit of everything for me. But at the end of the day, I, I think it's you know, the thing that brings me the most joy, um, you know, outside of my family and, and you know, having fun with my wife. Uh, it, it just really checks all the boxes of being something that's extremely challenging, extremely fulfilling, uh, but also maddening. And I think that that's, uh, that's what makes it so well-rounded and keeps me coming back every day. Where are you born? What was your childhood like? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Ben Hotelling, born in Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, to my father, Rob Hotelling. And what? Mother, Elizabeth I didn't know that. Hotelling. Yeah, absolutely. That's where the whole family's at. Um, We've got, gosh, still most of the family on both sides are in Raleigh. But yeah, first five years of my life were, were in Raleigh. Um, quickly moved to 
Minneapolis, Minnesota area. Um, and this become became a theme pretty quickly. We moved every you know, roughly three years from then on out. Uh, short stint in Orlando, Florida. Moved up to the Northeast, which I call like you know, where I was raised, if you will, um, up in the Berkshires in the, the Pittsfield, Massachusetts area. So very north um, northwestern corner uh, Appalachians, and um, then moved to Connecticut, so southeast Connecticut near the shore, um, Norwich area. Went to majority of middle school and high school there. Um, and then moved to Wichita, Kansas, right before my senior year of high school, which was, you know, certainly not something that I think was planned, but uh, ended up getting getting down to uh, the Midwest, which, um, you know, now I, I call home. So went to college at the University of Kansas up in Lawrence, Kansas, and now live with my wife and have for the longest you know, stint of my life in, uh, in Kansas City. Why are you guys moving around so much? You know, just opportunity business opportunity um you know, i do i did come up you know in a military family but they had uh, both retired from the military when um you know when i was was born and you know that that kind of lifestyle of hey there's an opportunity out there we can advance our family we can uh, you know, grow our careers let's let's you know take the opportunity seize it and, and move forward so um yeah just business opportunities and and you know Take it, seizing that opportunity for uh, for advancement that you know, bettered the family. Is there anything growing up, being that they're both prior military, that said, "Wow, we're we're a military household. This is structured a certain way. This is how I communicate with people a certain way. These are why chores or or jobs are done a certain way." That kind of rubbed off, and, and not only laid the foundation during your childhood, but go on and, and things that you've picked up since? Yeah. So I think, I think definitely, I think discipline just overall, um, kind of, you know, when I say something, it, it needs to get done. Um, I, I shouldn't have to say it again. Uh, that general mentality, I, I wouldn't say that I grew up in a, in a family that, you know, had strict military rules or, um, you know, was, was, going back to that lifestyle by any stretch, but I, I think it definitely bled in from, you know, the, the ability to change quickly, the ability to, uh, you know, move to a new place, uh, find friends quickly and, you know, start a new life over and over and over again. I think that that definitely was a, a piece of the puzzle and something that, you know, our family brought to the table, you know, getting up and moving, packing the entire house and, and moving forward wasn't really, a huge issue. I think, you know, many people might not ever do it, or if they do, it's once or twice. And you know, we, we did it multiple times. I believe I lived in eight or nine different houses uh, before I was 18 years old. So um, just having that willingness to, to get up and go and try something new uh, was definitely, you know, always there. But no, I don't think that I, I had, you know, any strict um, things that I can point to of like, hey, this is how they did it in the military. And this is, you know, how we do it in our family. Um, you know, but I, I do think that just general discipline, uh, general respect for, um, for those in power was, was very important and, you know, learning to follow directions, uh, properly without too, too much, uh, you know, pushing by those that are, are, you know, 
have more power than I, I think has, has been something that's bled in. And, um, you know, again, I would say like you know, tough love overall, but I, I don't know that that would change with or without, um, you know, the military. I think that's just kind of how the hotelings are wired. You're definitely an old soul. And I think Why'd you that, say that? A lot of that, well, I think a lot of it is based off your childhood and kind of the values that your parents instilled in you. And I say that because we get to spend quite a bit of time together. You don't appear or or act ever to be the youngest one in the group. And I say that with like the utmost flattery towards you because it's never anything that like things don't get lost. They don't get forgotten. They don't ever fall through when Ben doesn't. And I think that's because number one, you are hypercritical on yourself but also you understand what following through means and what it does to a small group. And I don't know if you picked that up during your childhood or playing team sports or something like that, but where does that kind of come from? Gosh, I, I, I gotta imagine it. It comes directly from my, my mother and father, you know, both of them, I think would feel that exact same way. Um, you know, you're given a responsibility and you need to follow through 110%. Um, you know, not only that, but like, again, just having that, that feeling of, you know, this is your responsibility and yeah, gosh, it might even go back to like just mowing the yard. Right. If I came home and, you know, I had my days that I had to do it and there was really no exception and it had to be done. We weren't going to wait, you know, for the weather to change. We weren't going to, uh, you know, wait because Jimmy came over and wanted to go play football um it, it just had to be done that's just like what it was once that box gets checked the rest of the fun the rest of the um you know time that you want to spend doing what you want to do can happen so um i think it just comes from my mother and father and and who they are i mean my dad's still the same way you know i, I remember growing up um you know i i wasn't one of those kids that slept in until noon you know I, I did have my days where i would uh you know catch some extra z's and i'd wake up and my dad would have already been out in the yard for three and four hours and uh he needed me out there wanted me out there and um you know he just went up got it done at 6 a.m and and kept moving forward and those days always made me feel really bad like gosh i i you know my my sleep apparently was more important than going out and helping my dad and i think that that uh uh, definitely rubbed off on me. Uh, it's something, it's a, it's a trait that I desperately desire to have is that, you know, ability to um, knock things out. But I, I also think there's some anxiety that comes into it. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, I find myself struggling to sleep some nights when I have a big project or, um, you know, an idea. And that, that goes back to what I did with BCN, man. I didn't get any sleep for a year because I was just constantly anxious, constantly thinking about, you know, what's next? What can we do? And the only way to get rid of that anxiety was to go do it. So um, I think that, and I still, I still act and feel that way. You know, when I, I get that little, little tingle, that little feeling of anxiety, um, which, you know, I don't even think that I, I would have called it that within the last you know couple of years. It's just kind of how I was wired, right? But I, I do think that there's some anxiety there. Keeps me from being in a, uh, a headspace that's present and current with my wife. So um, 
I've, I've found that the only way to kind of relieve myself from that and get rid of that is to go and do it. So, um, it, it I think it's a good trait. I, I wouldn't really trade it for, for anything else. I'm, I'm happy to, to be wired that way and feel that way. But, um, you know, sometimes I wish it, it could turn off. Is it something you've always had? You know, probably not, you know, from, from a schoolwork perspective, I would wait until the last minute. Um, but then that anxiety would bring me through, right? Like it, it would, it would, uh, get me hyper-focused and know that, Hey, like it's crunch time. It, it's now or never. And, um, we get it done because we would just be hyper-focused and, and fully committed to the, the task at hand. Um, so again, I, I think that that's something that I think is positive, right? I, I can, I can summon something where I have to be hyper-focused. Sometimes I'd have to back myself into a corner to do it, but, um, now in doing what I do, it, it's, I enjoy it. So that anxiety is more of a, like, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the outcome of this video is going to look like. So I'm just going to sit down and finish it. Um, you know, as opposed to backing myself in a corner. So I found a way to, uh, hopefully have a perfect, happy, happy medium. You talked about doing chores with your dad outside and specifically cutting the grass. Is that an activity that you guys did all throughout your childhood? Because it's obviously created this passion for what you do now. And there has to be something going back to what, you know, everybody likes being outside. A lot of kids don't like out being outside doing work unless they have to. But there's something else that's there for you that makes it truly enjoyable and, and beyond a therapeutic task by any means, but something that you are passionate about. Yeah, 100%. It, it was always, for as long as I can reasonably remember, doing, I struggle to call them chores because a lot of it was like building stuff. Um, a lot of it was uh, bettering our surroundings and using our hands to do that. And, and that goes back to, gosh, even my grandpa, I can remember back when, um, we were in Minnesota and I was, you know, six, right. We would go and, and we were in a development that was being built and there was all these dumpsters everywhere. Right. And we would go into these dumpsters and pick out little pieces of wood, whatnot. And we ended up building this two story, um, little fort that, that I ended up spending a lot of my time in as a, as a kid. And I, I remember even then, like when my grandpa was there, we were going to get up and we were going to go find that wood and we were going to go make it happen. And that was, the building was more fun to me. The excitement of creating something and finding the pieces we need was always more exciting than, you know, playing in said fort. God, I probably didn't even play in it very much after it was done. Um, but then that bled into, you know, everything we did, right. We, um, we had multiple acres when we moved to Massachusetts and put ourselves in a position where, uh, we had a lot to maintain, you know, it was probably four acres at the time, but, uh, my parents allowed me to, um, build stuff on that, that land. We loved BMX biking. So we would, uh, dig holes and build ramps. And that was something that I always really, really enjoyed and did in my spare time. I mean, I would dig holes and I, I enjoyed the actual building of the courses more than I did riding them. It was, um, I liked riding them, but that wasn't like what it was for. It was like, what can we do next? What's new there? 
Right. Um, as soon as you're done with it and, and somebody rides it once, you're like, oh, okay, well, well, let's go back and make this bigger, make this better, make exactly. this turn higher, wider, constantly tinkering on it. Exactly. Exactly. And in, in Massachusetts, that's where I found golf. And, um, it, you know, my dad being who he is, right. It's like, Hey, you love something. I'm going to do everything that we can to allow you to love it and allow you to be as best as you can be or accomplish whatever goal that you want to accomplish. So we built in the backyard, we built a 20, gosh, I think it was a 30 by 20 putting green by ourselves. Um, it was outdoors, artificial turf, but we did the whole thing. We brought in sand, we leveled it. Um, you know, put down that turf and it was awesome. It was a cool little outlet in the backyard. And again, I probably didn't use it as much as I should have because I enjoyed building it more than um, <laughs> actually using that that thing. So uh, that was my first venture into doing something, you know, with my dad actually building something and changing our household and, you know, hopefully adding value. I don't know how much that putting green impacted that, but it, it felt like it to me. Um, and then we, okay. we, I, gosh, I don't know. I should, I should look it up on Google maps and see if it's still there. That, that's, that would be yeah, fun. That would be fun. Uh, but then we moved to Connecticut and my mom had grown up in Kalispell, Montana and, uh, they had horses and, um, she wanted to relive that, you know, she wanted to have horses again. She wanted to experience, um, you know, living on a, a little ranch. So we bought 11 acres in, um, I say we, my, my, dad and mom did. Uh, and, and we, we moved in and it was 100% wooded. There was, um, no pastures, nothing like that. So we took about six acres of that and we cleared it all by hand ourselves. Um, this, this was, you know, every Saturday, Sunday, right until noon, this is what we would do. Um, we get out there and, and make it happen. Gosh, after work, everything. My dad, my dad definitely has that same trait of that feeling of anxiety of, we got to get it done. It's out there. I see it. There's sunshine and we're going to go do it. Um, so we, we cleared all that land. Um, and then we, we put in the fence, you know, by hand again with my grandpa, he would come in, um, and my, while my dad is at work during the summer, right. We'd go and knock out, uh, four or five rows of fence. And then we do it again the next day. And, built a lean to and everything for the horses and completely transformed that property. Um, 100%. We, we had six acres of beautiful pasture and, uh, had our horses and we experienced it for 14 months, realized it was really hard. Dad had another opportunity and we're on to the next one. So, um, yeah, I think going really deeply back to your, your question, um, it was a ritual. It always has been. And it's always been something that, um, you know, as a kid growing up, I probably wasn't super excited about it, but it was also like, Hey, if you put in your effort and you go 100%, that's how you're going to get to, you know, doing what you actually want to do quicker. Um, so that's what we would do. That's what we would do. I would, I would wake up to hearing the chainsaw and that was my cue. Hey, you got to get out there. Dad's out there. He's gonna be mad if you don't, you know, get on your horse and, and get going. So we get it done. And, and, you know, looking back, I look at all those, those times, all those weekends spent extremely fondly. I think it's, it's instilled a lot of, of good things into me. And I also think it's cool to look back and be like, God, I cannot believe that we, uh, we transformed that property, um, so quickly. And it, 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 it's definitely, definitely fond memory. That sounds like the positive influence of supportive parents who let you dream but also let you be part of their dreams and let them, you know, you helping them transform each and one of these, each one of the properties 
But ultimately, unlike other projects that a lot of families do, your parents saw them all through. There was a finish. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of projects that you see families, even back in the day, currently, you would start something, but you never really get to the end. You'd end up paying somebody else or it'd be kind of half-assed or something like that. And I think that's why you and I both are constantly on the same wavelength because the way that our parents instilled in us, if you start something, you're going to finish it. Mm -hmm. And there's no question about it, but it's a ton of hard work going in. But when you turn around and look at all the results, man, there's no better feeling. Right. And also the the concept of waste, right? I, I think that yeah. exactly what you said about um, other families you'd see, it's just like, God, they just bought all that lumber and it's been sitting there for two years, right? That is absolutely not, not happening. Uh, Laying on the ground, us. straight on the ground, yep. filling up with moisture, no tarp, not under anything, just throwing, throwing dollars away. Yep. 100%. That was uh, never going to happen in my household. So where did golf kind of start for you? You know, golf, I think, has always been like a, a slight undercurrent for me. My grandpa, he worked at um, worked at a golf course when he retired. You know, I have some pictures of of me driving around in a golf cart with my grandpa uh, when I was like three years old. But, you know, and we'd go out in his backyard and hit shots and stuff. But it really started when we moved to Massachusetts. So I think I was third grade. My, uh, my neighbor, whose name was also Ben, was um, outside hitting golf shots off of his, you know, in his front yard. Again, we had property, so it sounds weird. But yeah, we would, uh, we would hit shots in our, our front yards and stuff and hit shots from, you know, from yard to yard and whatnot. Um, and, and I was just intrigued. And I had played it. I'd seen it before. I'd hit shots with my grandpa and uh, went out there and very, very quickly got attached to it. Um, not too long after that, we found a, a local course, gosh, just five or six minutes away. And they had a really, really screaming deal for juniors. I think it was like 150 bucks all summer you can play. So my parents, you know, paid that for me and we'd go out there and walk the course. And, you know, they even hired us sometimes for a hot dog and, and five bucks to go pick the range. Um, and, and that just became kind of, you know, where we hung out, where we did our thing. So, um, you know, and then, then we built that putting green in the backyard when I was kind of taking it seriously. And it was the, the only thing I was really doing. It's kind of stuck between baseball and, and golf at that point. Uh, I, was a, I was a pretty good baseball player, you know, for my age. And, um, you know, then, then come to the, I had another friend in the neighborhood that's a little bit older that started playing on his team uh, on his high school team. And he was like, man, you, you can't keep playing baseball if you, if you, you know, want to play golf, et cetera. So um, then it became a little bit more serious for me. Then um, we moved to Connecticut and, you know, I, I got extremely, extremely lucky. There was this new golf course at um, Lake of Isles Resort, um, which was attached to Foxwoods. So they had just built 36 holes, one very private one that was open to the public for resort play at the casino. Um, really cool really cool spot. And they did this scholarship thing where you'd come in and you do an interview, you would go out and play nine holes and you do a range session and the pro out there would, you know, follow along. Um, and I ended up, you know, winning this scholarship, which meant that I got you know, full access for a summer to this facility every, um, 
every Saturday we would do an hour range session with the pro and, you know, he'd teach us what we needed to know, we'd do a couple playing lessons and um, yeah, just, just had access to a really, really awesome facility. So was lucky enough to, to get through and, uh, and win that. And that's when it kind of became a, um, something I took a little bit more seriously. My game, you know, really transformed, started, you know, breaking 40 on nine holes, which was huge for, you know, somebody in, in seventh grade, et cetera. Um, and just, just continued from there, you know, quit baseball, um, started playing in high school and, you know, the rest is kind of history, but, um, I don't think I truly like loved golf until after college. Um, I, I think that, I treated it like I treated baseball, like I treated basketball. It was, you know, there and I'm, and I'm going to try and win. Um, and I never really did. And I, I, I think that that bothered me deeply, but it also, you know, kept me coming back. What made you keep coming back when you were a kid? I mean, did you have other friends that were doing it with you that it was just kind of our thing that this is our new hang? It's no longer baseball. We're going to go, you know, pound balls for a little bit and try to get in nine holes. Yeah, so that was definitely the the split in the road with with my friends. Like when we, when we started high school, um, I decided to play golf, and it was the same season as baseball. So all my baseball friends went and played baseball, and I played golf. So that was it was a, a split, but they enjoyed it. I was just so 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 much better than than them that I think I and I, I still struggle with this. It's like I, I feel like I have all the tools, but my scores at the end of the day don't necessarily resemble what what i how how i think of myself as a golfer so it was always like oh yeah let's go play with ben because he's really good um and i, I enjoyed that in, in some regard um but i also think it held me back I, I do wish that i would have played with people that pushed me that i was you know maybe the worst of the group and and they showed me how how to be great so um it, it definitely became a hang it became a an activity um you know that we did together to have fun but uh you know being up in the northeast i think it was a, a small period of time that you could actually reasonably play and i would just take on the season like i take on any other sports season um and and go from there and i'd get really excited for three four months and then i kind of put them away for a little bit um that's again why i think i, I didn't like truly love it until college when now it's like any opportunity i'm, I'm gonna go grab a club so what did high school golf look like for you? Yeah, so started high school golf in Connecticut, which we were a pretty decent team, but I'm sure many, many groups have the same issue where golf is such a small team that like you rely heavily on your parents to get you places. There's right. no bus that's going to bring you to practice. There's no bus that's going to bring you to tournaments. Um, so we'd go and, and, you know, I played junior varsity for two years um, in Connecticut, just trying to get bigger, trying, trying to figure out, you know, going through puberty, what it's like to, to have a different body and swinging in it. Um, you know, shot a couple mid or, you know, upper thirties, nine hole rounds. So you know, had some, had some opportunities to, you know, play with the, the varsity kids. Um, just learning how to, how to play competitive golf, you know, I, I such a, such a head case all throughout high school and, and beyond. And, um, you know, it was either going really, really well, or it couldn't possibly be going worse. So it was, is again, I, I'm not sure why I kept coming back because I, I half the time I'd freaking hate it. Um, I hate how I felt, hate the experience. 
but it was uh, it was fun. You know, looking back, I probably played some really freaking cool places in the Northeast that I had no idea about. Um, you know, Taconic was was right up the street from me, and uh, when we first moved to uh, to Massachusetts, and I played it a couple times, I had no idea what it was or, or you know what it meant. Um, you know, and, and then playing in Connecticut was uh, was great. I think the conditions were awesome, and I just never respected them or, or understood, you know, what that was. Um, you know, then I moved to, to Kansas, which was a freaking total different animal, right? Dealing with winds that are blowing 30 miles an hour because we play in the spring. Um, and just, you know, going out there and having an 85 win the tournament because it's it's – tornadic um it was just a totally different situation but i also felt like they took golf a little bit more seriously um in kansas which is actually interesting uh team was was better um i ended up being our number two guy on on the varsity team so it took a little bit more of a leadership role um and and we ended up you know doing quite well our senior year made it to state um you know i, I ended up qualifying uh, on my own and as a team so that was always a that was a treat to actually put something together there and um yeah just enjoyed really enjoyed traveling around with those guys in kansas more than the, the guys in, in connecticut just because i think i was older and uh enjoyed it quite a bit more so um yeah I, high school golf was 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 interesting it was fun I, i'd totally do it different if i i could you know, do it again, but, uh, also learned a ton about me, learned a ton about golf and, uh, learned a little bit about leadership as well. So it was a, it was a great experience. Was it difficult moving schools? I mean, halfway through high school, not just golf wise, but just as a kid. Yeah, I think it definitely was. Um, again, I, I'd never really like totally sunken in to a specific location. Um, I was always kind of a peripheral kid, right? Like I, I got along with people and I had friends and stuff. And um, I've always been somebody that would rather have four quarters and a hundred pennies. Um, so I'd find, you know, two or three people that I'd, I'd really attach to and they became my best friends and that's just who I would hang out with. So um, it, it was tough moving. Certainly it was tough moving to Kansas because like, what the hell is Kansas? Why are we going here? Um, but it ended up being the best possible thing that's ever happened to me. Uh, if I would have stayed up in the Northeast, I, I cannot imagine what my college experience would have been like. Um, I didn't have good enough grades to go to UConn or Yale or any of those places that, um, you know, require some, some serious, commitment from a, an academic standpoint. Um, you know, and then moving to Kansas, I, I met some people pretty quickly that I, I quite enjoyed and ended up being able to go to the University of Kansas, which, you know, has totally changed my life, been the best experience, best four years of my life. So um, I don't know, man, I, I it was always like a possibility. It was always kind of a looming, a looming possibility. And then when it, it came like, hey, you know, what do you guys think? Should we do it? It was kind of like, if we're going to do it, let's go right now and let's get it done. And that was just kind of the mentality. And, and that's what we did. You said you didn't really love golf, I guess, until after college. But what did you play in college or were you just focused on partying and trying to go to class? 
Oh, definitely partying and trying to go to class, but we would play. That was something that we, uh, we would do, you know, treat ourselves from time to time. Cause you know, 20 bucks was hard to come by. So, um, you know, we, we would go play and we'd have fun. And that was actually like an enjoyable kind of outlet. Didn't really have any expectations because I haven't played, you know, very much and just went out there and hit the ball and hung out with friends. And that was always, um, always a treat, but you know, then it was after college that I started finding basically I use social media, YouTube, all the, you know, interesting media outlets, if you will, to realize that golf is supposed to be something that you like enjoy and not something that you sit there and, and the only thing that you can do is play competitively and that's all that matters. And if you don't win, you lose and you should be mad and you should be frustrated and you should go practice and you know, learning that there's different ways to enjoy golf and enjoy golf facilities and enjoy, you know, what golf brings camaraderie and friendship and, um, you know, mutual respect for the game, right. Kind of learning those, those lessons that it doesn't have to be competitive. It doesn't have to be how low can I shoot or, you know, when that does happen, it's actually a treat and not, you know, not the norm. Um, just kind of learning all those lessons slowly and allowing them to, to seep into my game, which I still struggle with, right? I still find myself, you know, going out to a refuge event and it's like, I want to win. And of course I want to win. I'm all, I don't ever want to lose that, that desire. But, um, when it doesn't go my way, being able to be like, look at me, man, I am out here in Pinehurst or I'm out here in Detroit playing with these people that I, I respect and have, have, you know, mutual interests in and we're laughing and having fun and it's just it's totally changed my my view on golf and um my view on how i i take in and, and respect you know the the game so you went to kansas what'd you get your degree in uh business management and leadership uh with a focus on international business sure okay so what did that Following do for footsteps now? Right. So what'd you do with that after school? I mean, where'd you, where'd you even start looking for jobs at? Where'd you land? Kansas city wasn't necessarily like a guarantee. I really wanted to go to Denver. Um, but I was waiting for my now wife to finish up pharmacy school, which was an additional two years. So I just decided, Hey, let's find something in Kansas city. And, uh, you know, I didn't really care what it was, but I really wanted to join a startup something with a lot of opportunity, something that I could have a lot of responsibility in and, and, you know, try and grow to, you know, to become something, um, bigger, better, uh, and, and in turn, you know, make more money. That, that was kind of my entire thought process. So I ended up joining a, um, it consulting slash headhunting firm, I didn't really have any idea what it was, but it checked all those other boxes, right? I was going to be the fifth person they had hired. Um, I could be promoted within the first year if I showed, you know, that I was, uh, was good at it, et cetera. Um, I could own, you know, own my business, my book of business. And um, I, I, I sit back and I, I cannot decide if it was the best decision of my life or the worst decision of my life. Um, about two years in, I absolutely hated it. Uh, I was not seeing success. The leadership was was just not there, um, and, and it just became very quickly became a job where I felt like I was going to go gray, never accomplish any of my goals, 
and and keep moving on. And I ended up staying for about five and a half years, which looking back is just like, wow, I was wasting my life there. Um, so yeah, we never grew. <laughs> I never made a bunch of money. Um, I, I, I did get promoted after a year, but uh, that was about the, uh, the only success I experienced there. However many years into this job, you got this idea with your friends that, hey, I want to build this this golf course. Yeah. So right after college, I moved in with uh, Zach Bruff, who was my roommate in college. Um, he had a family property. His mom had just recently moved away from uh, and we'd go visit this property, you know, all the time in in college. It was about 30 minutes away from Lawrence and it was an opportunity to go to Kansas City. Uh, Zach would need to go back to, you know, manage the you know, cut the grass and do weed whacking and stuff. And that was stuff that we enjoyed to do. Right. He had four wheelers and we could light bonfires and, you know, just mess around, drink beer and have a good time out there. So it was a good outlet, good opportunity to get into nature, if you will, and uh, enjoy a different scene other than the bar scene. So um, we had the opportunity to move into that house. Uh, we moved in there and. Um, you know, then I, I built a little hundred yard shot that I could practice my wedges on. And that was kind of the first understanding of, um, you know, again, I, I'd always had this as a kid, right? I'd always had land. So I'd always been able to go out in the backyard, throw a bucket in the yard and, and hit shots at it. And this was kind of doing that again. But um, Zach allowed me a little bit more free range to mow the grass and dig a bunker and take down a tree and stuff. So just kind of using those old skills to get back into the game and having an outlet. I didn't have any money. So, you know, hitting shots out there was about as best I could do. Um, so enjoyed that for a couple of years and ended up, you know, moving out. Um, that's when I, I started just struggling at work, struggling to uh, have any sort of semblance of, uh, you know, respect for myself or um, enjoyment in that place. Um, Refuge, the No Laying Up message board was released in I believe early 2018. Um, I'd never been a part of a message board. I'd never been a part of a comment section or anything like that. But I figured, hey, if there's one time I'm going to do it, it's now. And that ended up kind of becoming my outlet while being at work, right? I'd just go in, I'd check the boxes and I'd, I'd fill my time with learning about golf, interacting with people um, who appreciate golf in, in the same way. Um, shared a little bit about what, what we had with this little, you know, wedge range and uh you know the rest is is kind of history those people you know on the, the message board continued to you know help push and um, support monetarily and mentally with uh you know making this dream um this thing that i'd stayed up at night concocting in my head because i'd been on this property for a couple years and you know walked it over and over again and uh, you know shared that idea on this message board and they just continue to help you know push forward and we were seeing success in, in a bunch of different areas so it, it just became my my outlet of you know this is this is actually i'm actually experiencing some level of success and that success you know wasn't monetary at all it was like hey we we just got over a thousand followers on twitter how freaking cool is that they like what we're doing um you know and then seeing that success on the ground and i would uh I would experience this this you know euphoria from coming in on Monday and you know posting up on this board. You know, what did we accomplish that week? You know, here's these pictures. Here's um, 
you know, here's the goal or here, here's you know, what we're doing next weekend. And that made me not hate being at that place because I, I had the opportunity to, uh, that was like my, my trigger of like, okay, now it's, you know, now we get to share. Now we get to uh, see what the reactions are. Now we get to, you know, start working on what, what next week has in store for us. And, you know, all this time just weaving in actual real work and, and it, it made it not suck as bad. Um, so, so that's, that's kind of, the initial story and we just we just kept going with it we just kept pushing and uh ended up clearing about an acre and a half of uh of trees and um you know all while at that desk we raised about thirty thousand dollars from uh you know, from folks all across the world that were interested in what we were doing and and tried to continue to share that story with them um you know my wife hated it but i'd come home and i'd either go right to the course to keep working on it that day or i do you know welcome letters for our membership and you know shipping merch all day right so i had two jobs but it was the most fulfilled i'd ever been um the actual work that i was getting paid for all of a sudden didn't become such a you know such a nuance to me it, or a nuisance excuse me a nuisance to me it just became a hey i have to sit here and get this done because this is allowing me to do what i actually love to do on the side and i think i was just learning the entire time i was learning you know what i loved what i i didn't love what um I was learning new skills every day from, you know, putting a chain on a chainsaw to, you know, how does SEO work? How does, you know, how does building a website work, right? These things I never thought that I would ever, you know, have the reason to, to learn um, was just, I was just pushing myself into these new uncomfortable areas and learning new things every single day, right? If you were to tell me when I was 18 years old that like, you'd be a video producer and editor, I, I would be like, what in the hell are you talking about? But it was a, a way to, it was a means to an end and, and to become, ended up becoming something that I, I truly enjoy. So um, that, that desire to learn, I think was, was what was pushing me more than, you know, the golf or the, uh, you know, followers or the clout or whatever else it might be. It, it was the, you know, what else is new? What else can I learn? What, uh, you know, what is it like to own a, own a business, right? Like, what is it like to do your taxes for a, an LLC, right? And and just having all those different things and, and learning all those different, um, you know, different areas that made me a lot more well-rounded and also was way more exciting than, uh, you know, just sitting in there and calling people and seeing if they needed a uh, software developer. So what did the, the actual job think of all this? I mean, I hit it pretty much the whole way. I did not share with anyone in my workplace what I was doing. Um, they had no idea that, you know, we were building this golf course and we you know, had these social platforms and, um, you know, they just didn't have any clue. And I, I liked it that way. I, I didn't want anybody to, to know. I didn't want anybody poking around. I didn't want anybody, you know, following along to see how I was doing because I, at the end of the day, I was accomplishing all of my goals and I was, um, you know, extremely mediocre. And I was fine with that because I had no desire to be anything more than that, uh, <laughs> at that job. So, um, yeah, I just, I completely hit it the entire time. So we know when you started, you guys started Bruff Creek. We know why we know what the motivation behind it was, but how, and I'm not talking about financially because we covered that. I'm talking about how did you guys teach yourselves what the hell you're even doing? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I, I don't think we know what we're doing, <laughs> first and foremost. Um, but you know, we, we would ask a lot of questions, ask a ton of questions. I, I'm definitely not shy to raise my hand and say I didn't know something. Um, and then we also, we just got a lot of support, you know, talked to Keith Reb and um, Michael McCartan and, you know, some other, you know, golf course architects, golf course builders that would help just point us on the right path. And at the end of the day, like, I don't think it's, it's rocket science. You know, the big thing that I took away is don't build bird baths because, you're going to have drainage problems. Right. And that was kind of my, my, you know, North star the entire time. And it seems so simple, but it was just like, so long as we can play this thing, it doesn't really matter what the outcome is. And we'll go from there. And then it was just learning, you know, it was using the podcast, using the Friday, um, you know, going out and just, just kind of using what I'd learned on different golf courses, what I'd liked, what was interesting, what, what was not interesting, um, and just kind of pushing ourselves in, in that way. But um, a lot of research, a lot of YouTube, a lot of asking questions, and a lot of, you know, screwing up on the job. You know, there's things that I would do completely different now that um, I, I wish I'd known before that have, you know, caused additional work or made it more challenging and whatnot. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it was that trial and error and just not being afraid to ask questions. Advice for other people who want to do this in their backyard? <laughs> I would just say be ready to get obsessed. Be ready to, uh, you know, commit you know, more time and more money than, than you initially anticipated. And um, don't get obsessed with perfection. That'll come with time. Um, it, it's going to be rough. It's going to be hard. Um, and sit back and enjoy what you've done. I think that that's something that I've not done very good at. I've, I've constantly chased perfection and you, know, you build a golf course and you don't play it for six months because when you're out there, you're cutting grass or you're, you know, looking at things that could be better or you're throwing down sand and it, it's very easy to become a job and not something that you enjoy. And that's something that I've been working on, um, personally is, you know, kind of sit back, look at it holistically and, you know, be proud of it and go enjoy it. Cause that's why you made it in the first place. So I think to, to kind of close the bow on BCN is that it's no longer just this thing in some guy's backyard. It doesn't just live on a Twitter or Instagram account. It's since been published in the New York times. It's been published in best-selling books it's no longer just this little secret. And I know when we talked about this in the past, none of this had really sunk into you yet, kind of the gravity of that and what you guys created and what it's turned into. And I wonder now, a couple months removed from it all, looking back, what is that, what is that feeling? What does that show you? What are the emotions that come from it? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I think that we're kind of still there where it's it's... When I'm out there and it's just me, you know, sometimes I look up and I'm like, wow, can you believe this? But other times I'm like, it's just me. This is just me out here in the yard. You know, it's, it's, what does it all mean? Right. You know, what does it mean to be in the New York times? I don't know. It, it, it's not changed my life in any sort of traumatic way. It, it's, it keeps me going though. It keeps me going knowing that people like genuinely love what we've done that when they come out and see the place that they get a smile on their face, right. They brighten up immediately or when they play it for the first time, they, they, 
you know, reinforce like this is actually cool. And that keeps us going, right? I think it'd be very easy to have thrown in the towel by now. We've kind of accomplished everything that we could ever imagine that, you know, we'd accomplish from this place. Um, but I, I still don't think that I, I, I think it's going to be something that when I am in my rocking chair, you know, getting ready to pass away, that I'll be able to hang my hat on and be like, you know what, we freaking did it. That's so cool. We, we accomplished all this stuff. We, we've been, um, you know, people have, have shared uh, this thing repeatedly and, and, you know, hopefully it's changed some people's lives in, in some way, be it that they felt, you know, the opportunity to go do it themselves, or, you know, maybe it was a little shining light that, that kept them interested in golf or, or whatever it might be. Like, I think that, you know, when I'm, <laughs> when I'm on my deathbed, that'll, that'll help quite a bit, but no, it, it still hasn't really sunk in. It hasn't really you know, changed anything for me mentally. I still have a lot of goals and, and interests, but it does keep it going. I think it'd be very easy to just, you know, be done by now and, and not want to drive the 35 minutes to go mow the greens two times a week. But, you know, at the end of the day, Cody, like I always thought because I was having such a bad time at work and I really wanted to get into golf, I always just thought, if I do this and I gain all these skills, something's got to come out of this, something that I can do, be it building more golf courses or becoming an architect or, um, you know, finding other routes into the golf space. And that's what I'm most proud of is, is that I was able to do that. I was able to use this, this golf course, use this experience, use the skills that I've learned in, in doing this to, um, you know, end up being in the best possible place I, I ever could with, with working with no laying up. I mean, it's, it's truly a dream come true. Not something I ever thought was going to be possible, but um, I truly felt like we, we, you know, beat down the door and, and kind of forced our way in. So um, that's, that's probably what I'm most proud of. It's like, my goal was to change my life with this, start doing something I, I truly loved and, you know, being able to find a, a way, a route, um, to make it something that I could, could live off of. And, you know, the fact that we're here, I think that that's probably what I'm, I'm most proud of. Right. Ton of hard work and effort. That's not just, you know, being down doors with nothing to back it up. You right. completely busted your ass to get where you're at now. And I think physically, mentally, emotionally, 100%. yes. Financially. Financially. I think that's where we're at now is that you mentioned the refuge, but your relationship with NLU started before that via pods and videos yes and kind of talk me through your introduction to the company and then as it's transformed over time where we're at yeah so i, I actually started off with the fried egg I, I caught him on like the second or third podcast he had ever you know put out and that was my first intro to like podcasts at large um and it was it was just a crash course in, in learning about you know, the playing surfaces and why they're so important. And, you know, then I, I heard about NLU in 2016, I believe. Um, I wasn't like a big Twitter person or Instagram person or anything like that. Um, and then, you know, started to, to see those outlets and started to enjoy them. Um, I think the, what I really liked about the fried egg initially was like, you know, the, the architecture stuff was good, but I really liked the interviews with the players. That was, um, you know, there was a couple with like a college player. I think Nick Hardy was on there and I was like, God, that was so cool. I never would have thought. Right. And then, and then I see NLU and there's like 
a backlog of all these things. And I think the first one I saw was a Rory interview. And from that then on out, I was, I was hooked on, on no laying up. Couldn't miss an episode. I've listened to every single one of them um, at this point, trap draw and no laying up uh, main pod. Um, and I felt like I was learning more from no laying up about having fun, about enjoying golf and digesting it in many different ways and viewing it through totally different lenses. And that was, um, that was big for me. I, I felt like I just, I learned so much from the no laying up pod. Um, and I enjoyed the guys, right? I, I thought that the camaraderie and, you know, friendly nature and the back and forth and the jabbing at each other was, was a fun way to, to do it and not as structured and, um, you know, down the line interviews. Um, so, you know, once you started to get that level of knowledge and understanding, and then you could dive into the conversation and feel like it was happening around you, um, or, or a conversation that you'd have with your friends, it was just super appealing to me. Um, so then the, the message board was definitely like my next step into investing into, to no laying up, um, as a fan, you know, uh, being able to interact with them directly, being able to talk to people that had that same level of knowledge or understanding or, or felt the same way about the game was, um, was big. So that community element was, was huge and definitely played no small part in, you know, our idea uh, with BCN to like, you know, build a, a community around these thoughts and ideas and perspectives on the game. Um, and, and, you know, then I fell in love with the idea of, like, God, the world is so much bigger than I thought. There's so much, so many more people out there that I'd love to meet and, and spend time with and talk to and um, enjoy. And no laying up, you know, definitely opened up that, that opportunity for me in many, many ways. So yeah, I just continue to, to love and appreciate, you know, what they did that never really changed from a community perspective. You know, they, they always, put that community first, um, as they continue to grow and continue to change and move and shake and, um, advance in what they did. And I, I just thought that every step of the way was, was brilliant, um, with how they continue to grow. So that relationship and, and that, that, um, I still look up to the guys there. I, I consider them to be my mentors in every step of the, of the way, every sense of the word. Um, and, you know, just feel very, very lucky to, you know, call them my friends and, and call them business partners at this point. Um, I, I would go to war for every single one of them with every single one of them, um, any day, you know, and, and I think that that's, um, they just haven't changed from what I, I saw them as to start. And, and it's just been more enriching to, uh, to get to know them personally. When did you start making videos? Ooh, started making videos. Gosh, I, I could show you. Um, it's on our YouTube. They're they're pretty rough, but I would say 2018, like December 2018. Um, we wanted to you know show what we were doing out there. What is it like to chop down big trees and start fires uh, out at BCN? So it was kind of a, a you know a way to connect with our community that we were you know slowly building more. Um, so again, not something I ever thought I would do, not something I ever thought I had interest in, uh, but it became a, uh, I wanted to copy no laying up, you know, I wanted to copy the fried egg. I wanted to, to, to use that mold to, you know, connect with our, our small growing community. And, um, yeah, I, I think that it, it, it was wildly successful more so than I had ever thought. 
but again, just a huge learning curve. Uh, <laughs> it took took quite a while to get a hang of it. But um, yeah, I would say, you know, end of 2018, beginning of 2019 is when we uh, were like, hey, let's let's start making videos. So you started just at BCN, but it ultimately grew to a little bit of destination golf in there as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, um, you know, we're able to uh, parlay some of our abilities and and whatnot into, uh, you know, kind of going back to some of the places that I had seen that that help instill some of the, um, gosh, I guess the the vision into what BCN was and, and you know, they luckily had us and and we were able to uh, make some videos and, and try and, you know, rip off tour sauce as best we could. Why? Oh, man, because it looked because fun. Why not? <laughs> yeah, because why not? And it looked uh, so much fun, um, you know, and, and you know, it was a couple different things, right? Like I, I had been to this place to this is about the Prairie Club is, is where we did a, a travel series, too. Um. And I'd been there with my my father. He had brought me, and we had just such a good time. They had that par three course that was a, a huge, huge element. And it was kind of like, hey, we'd we'd grown quite a bit. And and I want to tell the story of how I came here, and saw this place, and was so impressed with what they had done and, and what they had built. Um, and I also like I want to treat the guys that have been out there busting their butt for hours and hours and hours and hours a week out at BCN. And it's like. I might be able to find a way that like, you know, we can get some of this paid for and we'll just make a video and, and hopefully that'll work. And, and it did. So we were able to go out there and they, they, you know, put us up for, for free, which was super lucky and uh, ended up, you know, I don't know if we accomplished the goal cause we were recording so much and it was freaking hard and we didn't know what we were doing. Um, but uh, you know, we were able to go out there and, and make that happen and show the guys, you know, one of the places that uh, inspired us for BCN. So that was cool. So when did the first connection come from NLU itself, the NLU five? Yeah. So that's, that's, that's a good question. Um, I had sparingly kind of reached out to the guys, you know, kind of one-on-one just depending, right. I'd reached out to DJ a couple of times for some questions regarding video. I had reached out to Neil like, Hey, you know, I love your guys' trucker hats. We want to make those, but we don't have a vendor. Like how does that work? You know, and they, they would help. Um, but it was fairly, you know, it was spotty and it was just, you know, in those small, small instances. Um, we did send them, you know, a full member packet with a scorecard and a, a blueprint and, you know, their member numbers and a ball mark. Right. And that was just more like a, you know, probably an attention seeking opportunity, but, uh, <laughs> you know, wanted, wanted to, wanted to get them involved. Cause again, it, it all had started from their, their message board. Um, you know, and then there hey, came a point did, where you even know where to send it. I I'd reached out to the main thing. I've been like, Hey, we're doing this. We're doing these things send me your address. They ended up sending me the address for the kill house and, and oh, okay. was able to send it to them. So yeah, that could have, could have fallen through the cracks pretty easily. So sporadic at first. Yeah. So ultimately, um, ran into a tough situation at, at work, you know, long story short, there was some unsavory stuff going on, um, in the workplace and I was standing up for a coworker and, um, you know, it just came to a point where it, it, it was, you know, it, my time was done at that 
at that facility. Um, and I, I was, you know, struggling to sleep again, like, what the hell am I going to do? I was really hoping to have something else lined up before, you know, this, this came, uh, my wife and I had been recently engaged and, uh, it was just really, really tough timing. Um, and one of my buddies, Matt, who actually showed me the fried egg in the first place. So he's, he's coming again, full circle. Um, was like, dude, why don't you just reach out to NLU and see if there's anything that you guys can do? You know, either maybe they want to help out with BCN in some way that you can do it full time, or, you know, maybe though they need some help, whatever. So I, I reached out to Tron directly and basically spilled my guts like, Hey, I'm at a crossroads in my life. I, I've done all these things and gained all these skills, and I'm just really hoping for some sort of opportunity, um, some sort of foot in the door. Uh, you know, let me know if you have any ideas or if there's anything that we can do to you know collaborate here. And he you know? actually uh, t- over Twitter, Twitter DM. Um, yeah, so he which knowing TC is number one, the best spot that you're gonna probably connect with him at. But number two, I, I looking, think so. looking back at it now, I mean, a very bold shot to send, hey, I, I'm looking for this opportunity. I don't know if Twitter would have been the best avenue to do that. I know. I know. I didn't. I, I, I gosh, I don't know what I was thinking, but I, I think I think I wanted to make sure because I, I, I used to some guy's backyard Twitter. So I wanted like to make sure that connection was very, very clear. Um, you know, so he he messaged me back and basically sent me his number and it's like, let's talk. And, and we talked and um, you know, I don't think that this was something that they were necessarily like actively looking for, um, you know, but the opportunity came by and, and they, they jumped on it and they gave me a, a chance to be an intern for three months, which was, you know, super scary. Um, you know, I was making, pennies in the dollar for, for what I, I, you know, had been making in the past for this three months. And, and my fiance was willing to you know risk it. And they basically were like, Hey, we don't have any idea what this is going to look like in three months, but you know, if it goes well, there's a chance that, you know, we could have you on for, for longer. And, um, I think pretty quickly it, it started to make sense and started to work out. And, um, you know, kind of the rest is history, but, uh, yeah, it all started with a DM to, to TC and why TC. I don't know. I, I don't have any idea why I think I had heard him in a podcast once about, you know, people reaching out and asking for jobs. And his big thing was like, we want, you know, what can you do? You know, why, like, why should we hire you? Have you done anything? And it's like, if you come and say, I can just hold a camera, right. That's not going to sell me. Like, show me what you can do. And then we might have a conversation. And I, I think that, that just resonated deeply with me. And I felt like I had done some things. I had, I, uh, proved myself in some ways. So I, I wanted to reach out to him. Very, very nervous to start, not just oh, about yeah. what the, the future of this is, but the fact that it's a kind of a term position. Ultimately it, it's a pretty big spotlight that if you fuck up, like this is done, man. Right. Right. Yeah. One shot. I, I I truly felt that way. You know, if, if this didn't go well, it's not like this is ever going to come again. So but that made um, you fight harder. That made you bust your ass every single day. For sure. For sure. And they, they also, I, I think that they, you know, they gave me a lot of opportunity you know, pretty quickly. They didn't throw a ton on my, there wasn't a lot to screw up, you know, it just, just being present and, and being um, available, I think was, 
was big and then just you know showing a little bit of ownership for those responsibilities was uh was kind of what they were looking for at least you know looking back that's what it feels like yeah looking back now things that you would change when you were just starting out definitely definitely i think there was a you know i think there were some times where i would you know accomplish my goal and i would kind of sit there and be like now what i, I wish i would have pushed a little harder to be like what else can i do you know here i am but i also didn't want to be you know they were traveling and, and doing things and whatnot. And I, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to overstep my boundaries, but um, I'd wish that I'd done that, that differently. Also, I wish I wasn't so, and I still struggle with this sometimes. So uh, like hesitant around them, right? Like I wish I would just be able to be myself a little bit more, but I was still like, you know, I don't want to be this new kid that's an idiot or whatever, or say something wrong or, or whatnot. And I kind of paralyzed myself from a communication standpoint. So wish I would have just been more open and um, myself around them. That, that definitely took some time. They're just people. And I understand just people. I understand exactly what you're talking about because it is a, it's when you're in the room with them and they're vibing on whatever the topic is, it's intimidating as fuck to jump into that conversation. 100 percent the the <laughs> the connections and and whatnot and the inside jokes that that dj in particular can make it's like i have no idea what you're talking about thank you i, I know there there needs to be like a a book of references here dating yes. every single one-liner quip backstory to this massive link chart to put everything back together <laughs> and their their right. brains are spinning on it and you're just like what what is happening here right felt the exact same way and okay, good, good, you know, good. The good thing about it, and like something that I'm super fortunate about, is the amount of time that you and I get to spend together. But I, I know what you're talking about. I understand the anxiety of it. And like that's coming from from me. And you know my background. I've met a ton of very, very, very important people. Oh, yeah. Uh, and never had any anxiety or nervousness getting my words, getting my my message across in any of those meetings, no matter how powerful. They are. And for some reason, when you get when you get the, the NLU five in the same room, there's kind of a, a air leaves a little bit and you just got to open your mouth and throw throw something out there. And next thing you know, you're included in it and you're yep. 100 miles down the road on whatever's happening and, and you're good to go. 100%. I, I do think it is you know funny from time to time when it's like, yeah, NLU fivers, you know, Cody and Ben and and. You know, I, I think that that distinction is is totally valid and should always stay, right? I mean, those guys have done so much to to get to this point, and they're you know the staple, the the folks that uh, the figureheads, if you will. But I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I feel like a part of the team every single day. Anything that surprised you or shocked you? Gosh, I mean, how nice Tron is. He's the nicest dude in the world. Um, I think that his online presence and what other folks might might say um, would not necessarily align. But, you know, Tron's like one of the nicest, most thoughtful dudes I've ever met in my life. Um, how freaking bright Neil is. Neil is so, so smart um, and he's got such a great work ethic. Uh, you know, DJ is just one of the most open dudes in the world you know I, I think he would uh he'd go out of his way to make sure you're comfortable happy and and uh you know feel like you're doing the right things um you know randy is exactly who you'd expect him to be which uh, is a huge compliment 
Um, and then, you know, Solly's like, he, God, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I resonate with Solly in, in a big way. I would, you know, he feels like a long buddy from a long, long time ago. So, um, that's, that's always nice. Uh, gosh, what else stands out? I, I don't know, man. It, it's, it's felt like a blur these last, you know, month and a half or year and a half. And, and, uh, you know, I would just say that the dedication, the hard work and, and whatnot is, um, is crazy cool to, to be involved in. Uh, it, just thinking about, you know, the business relationships I've had in the past versus, you know, what, what this is and how much work, effort and passion goes into it is, is, you know, second to none. There's two comments that we get often that I love. Number one is, why aren't you guys better at golf? Because all you do is is play golf and work for a golf company. Man, I wish I got to play more golf. Right. That's like uh, on my list of things to do daily. That's probably like the 10th thing that's on that list. And I'm yep. never going to get to it. Yep, absolutely. The second thing is every single video. For some reason, people are constantly dogging on us about replacing divots. I do not understand this. If we would actually leave all that footage in the video, it it would tack on an extra like 15 minutes of just dudes replacing divots. And I don't (laughs) understand why people who like watch our content don't understand the like, you know, we're out there at these courses doing it for free. We're not asking a course to pay us money to showcase it. We want everything possible positive returns to come for these places right why would we go out there and mistreat the course at all i don't right. get it right no yeah that's truly wild stuff i i you know utmost respect for for the supers of course no it's wild it's an incredible story and really it's just like the first chapter of the book hopefully Hopefully. Yeah. It's yeah. Long, long life to live, but I, I feel like we're, it, it's, you know, it's, it's weird, Cody. And this is going to sound, this is going to sound super snooty and I, I'm totally aware of that, but um, it's weird. Like looking back and kind of living your dream a little bit. Um, you know, this was always something that was so far fetched. And so like, God, man, how cool would it be to be a part of no laying up and how cool would it be to, you know, go and make videos of the, the top 100 golf courses in the world and, you know, have everybody, you know, truly love what you do and all that stuff. And, and it's, it's, it's weird to have kind of lived a dream a little bit and, and still be living that dream. Um, and I don't think it's over and I don't want it to be over. And I don't feel like that, that, like you said, it, hopefully it's just chapter one, but it, it's, it's a weird feeling. Sometimes I go to bed and I'm like, God dang, man, here we are. Can you believe that? Um, but I also think it's, it's what, you know, kind of keeps me hungry and keeps me wanting to you know, do as good as I can um, the next day that I wake up. So um, still haven't quite come to come to terms with it, but it's something, it's a feeling that I hope never goes away of, um, you know, feeling very proud of myself, but also feeling like, uh, uh, it's an opportunity to change your life and it's an opportunity to, you know, be who you thought you could be. Um, so yeah, it's just, a just, a an interesting thing that I wish everybody could, could experience. Um, 
you know, and I think it's a, it's a double-edged sword, but uh, in, in the best way possible. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And looking back on it from the fear and kind of concern from the wife's standpoint, now happily married. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, the risk totally worth it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And our relationship has changed so much, right? I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people resonate, but like, you know, coming home and just being pissed off, being angry. And what are you angry at? Well, I'm angry at work stuff. Well, why? You're not at work. It's like, I, I don't know, you know? And that was our relationship before. And now it's, you know, I, I leave work and I'm so much more present and so much more happy to be around her and, and enthusiastic to do new things and try new things and go new places and all those doors that have opened. And, you know, listen, I still get stressed at work. Of course. I, I feel like if you don't, you're not passionate about it, but, um, yeah, it used to be, you know, it used to be the first hour of, of being together at night was wasted because, you know, I was frustrated or pissed or, you know, still thinking about something I can't control at work. And, and now it's, um, it's changed so much. And that's probably been the thing that's, uh, gosh, I, I just, I, I feel so bad for having done that ever in the first place and feel like we missed a lot of opportunities growing up. But, uh, now I, I, I'm just so enthusiastic every night, you know, that I get the opportunity to be with her and experience, um, experience each other in, in a positive light and, and being the best people we can be as cliche as that might sound, but, uh, that that's been a, a huge benefit and a huge change. And, um, you know, I hope to always feel that way now and, uh, respect our time much, much more and, and be more present. So that's, it's been a massive benefit. Now we're right back to the old soul comment. <laughs> Takes a lot to be able to recognize that and not only recognize, but do the steps and put in the work to change it. Right. Now marriage right. is hard, man. And mm-hmm. it's funny because you make it whatever you want to make it to be. And you let all these other outside influences come in and not just factor in, but control your mind and your viewpoint and, how you're living this relationship when really it's just two people and whatever decisions that they want to make. Right. That you, you chose to be with because you enjoy (laughs) your time and company. Um, But yeah, it's, yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. It it is challenging, but it it doesn't need to be, I don't think it needs to be right. I mean, she's my best friend. Um, She's, she's my best friend, my soulmate, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I, I genuinely love every minute that we get to spend together. And it's it's allowing myself to do that and, and allowing myself to respect her. And I, I just don't know why it was ever anything different, but it, it certainly was. And um, not that we had a bad relationship by any stretch. Obviously, we brought it to the finish line, but... Um, not the finish yeah. line. You got to not the starting the line. line. The, the starting line, starting line, correct. Just got the race going. That was just the dance um, stretching, doing all the stuff <laughs> prior to. It's a long race. Yep, it's a long race. And but, there's going to uh, be more. There's going to be bumps and hurdles sure. you guys got to figure out. But you guys will do it together, figure it out, and and yeah. be that much better. Yep, it's definitely more together now. It's not uh, just it's crazy how selfish I was, you know. Yeah. And, and, it's, I mean, you know me, I say the exact same thing. Like, what the hell is I doing, man? Right. Yeah. No, I can't even imagine. Can't even imagine. You know, we travel a lot. Mm-hmm. Does that weigh on it? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. For what, sure. What have you guys done to figure that out? Because I think that's always an interesting development, obviously, in anybody's relationship. But when you're, you're on the road, we try not to be gone on weekends, but ultimately, you know, at least a couple weeks, a month, we're on the road. Yeah, uh, the weekend thing is huge. <laughs> that is that is is massive. To avoid traveling on weekends is is big. Um, so what we've done, it, it's it's a couple things. So we we this past year in particular, we had a really really tough one. All the backlog weddings in particular, um, you know, from due to COVID, got rescheduled, and that that made the travel way more, right? We, we didn't get to spend time at home a lot together. So by the end of the year, it became, uh, became a little bit more taxing. So, you know, I, I it's definitely a give and take. I, I probably, there's probably opportunities to go travel that I'd like to do more, right? I would have loved to have gone to the year of the blade meetup. Um, I'd love to have gone to a couple more refuge events, um, you know, up in, in Minnesota or wherever, but being able to like say, say no and, and being able to say no, because it's like, I, I want to be home and I want to sit here and be with her. Uh, it can be hard to make those decisions, but also, uh, I've never ever regretted one of those times that I've said no and, and decided to spend a weekend at home with her. Um, that's. So knowing that and and seeing the opportunities and being able to identify like this probably doesn't make sense because, you know, it's time to stay home. Um, that, that's been the biggest thing for me in, in learning to do that. Um, I would say, you know, making flights where there's still an opportunity to, uh, you know, just spend some time. Like if you come home on a Sunday, right, Tr being able to get in by five as opposed to getting in at 10 p.m. when it's time for bed. Like just having those few hours on, on a weekend has been big. So, you know, and then, and then lastly, over communicating. I mean, that's, that's been, that's been big. Like the minute that there's an opportunity out there, the minute that um, a date might be Bogard for, for travel to share, Hey, I don't know that this is totally going to happen, but you know, there's a chance that I will be traveling this day. So let's not, you know, make any plans. I will let you know as soon as I do um, and not letting those things go by. Right. It's so easy to, get an email or be on a meeting and something's changed or something's different. And uh, just kind of relaying that right away is, has been super valuable um, for us. Uh, last but not least, being when I am home, being extremely present, putting the phone on do not disturb uh, and, and spending time, even if it's just watching TV, right? But not pounding away on the phone or not checking emails or not being on social media uh, and just being present and being with her is huge. And I feel like the travel almost allows me to do that more. Um, you know, force is definitely not the word, but, um, <clears throat> when you get home and, and you know, like, I don't know, I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I feel a sense of responsibility of, Hey, I've been, I've been away. Um, let's, you know, let's take this opportunity to, uh, to be together and to, you know, make up for lost time, I guess, but that that's probably the, the, wrong way to say it because, you know, time still goes by and, and you're never going to get that back. But, um, you know, the value of a minute is different depending on how you use it. So just using it properly and using it to, to be with her and, and spend time there uh, has been great. Um, but also I think that she sees in me that like, I'm so much happier. I'm so much more present. I'm so much more, um, 
you know, enthusiastic about life uh, ha has made it kind of easier for her to, to let me go from time to time. So it's definitely a give and take on, on both sides. Yeah. The biggest thing about travel and being away is that number one, nobody likes surprises, both the person that yes. is going to be gone and the person who's going to stay home. So the biggest thing I talk about all the time, as soon as something comes up, even if it's just a possibility, a tentative date, whatever, put it out there. Because oh, yeah. that's the worst thing you can possibly do. When I talk about communication breaking down, that's it right there. Yep. No, 100%. That, that's, that's something I still am learning. Uh, is, yeah, even if it's, it's cautionary, it's way, way, way better to share that than to uh, you know, be two weeks out and be like, oh, by the way. Two weeks is good sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Yeah, sometimes. But it is avoidable in some other instances. The other thing is that the power of not just a text. I think a text is easy, but what a 30 second phone call can actually do. Hey, oh, yeah. I'm thinking of you. I don't have a lot of time, but I'm here. How's your day? What's going on for me? How are the kids? It goes a long, long way. But honestly, yeah. it's also hard because I know on my side, I we get to do some really cool travel to some awesome places. And you want to be present there as well. You're saying exactly, you know, exactly how I feel. I, I there's nothing that disappoints me more than not making time for that phone call, be thinking about the family, and then being asked like, "Oh, like you're very not, you know, not present, or you're, you're, you know, why didn't you call?" It's like I, I desperately, desperately wanted to, and I promise I was thinking about you um in a big way and i wish you know wish i'd be able to you know stay at home with you tonight but um yeah it, it i could see how the perception could could come across not quite that way you talked about putting down the phone and kind of being present while you are home is are those all self-imposed rules or are those actual household rules i'd like to say self-imposed but i sometimes need to be pushed into it um so household rules but i i would like to be my own boss in that instance it's hard i think it's something that everybody struggles with but man the power of being present is phenomenal and once you're able to actually get there and and realize that yeah you're gonna be gone and being gone's okay and both both parties are agreeing that, that that's okay but when you're home be home be in the moment and pay attention because that quality time you know, you're not, you're not going to get, you're not going to pick it up anywhere else. No. And it feels and like a tank. It, I, yeah. Why, why do it half ass? That's right. That's the other thing. Right. 100%. So I think looking back on it, what's the next iteration of BCN? I mean, what are we, what are we looking at? What are we working towards? What are we building on towards the future? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And something that I, I think about all the time. Um, sustainability is the the number one thing that that comes up and sustainability not only in you know our inputs to the golf course but um in our energy finding a way to you know keep that that thing alive as we get older right you know plan to have kids in the not so distant future like what is that going to look like um you know I, I can't be hopping around and you know spending three hours a day just cutting grass for no one. Um, 
so so finding some some level of sustainability because I, I do think that that place is important i do think that it should should last i think that it should stand the test of time i think that it should um you know i just don't want to do it a disservice right we've we've done such so much work already we've we've built this community and i, I desperately want to share it with other people um and i desperately wanted to to be an asset and a um an outlet that we get to use forever so you know how how do we make that work how do we not burn out how do we uh keep advancing it without you know massive monetary inputs on our own how do we um you know how do we allow zach whose property it is to you know have his weekends for himself and and you know not feel like we're imposing ourselves on on his time and his free will um so these are the questions that i i would love to have an answer you know for but I, i'm not quite sure I, I i know what that answer is yet so you know, sustainability is, is big. You know, there's definitely some things I'd like to do out there, but at the end of the day, like I had a vision and it's out there right now. Like I can see it and walk it. And so I'm not feeling like I need to, to dramatically or drastically change anything like from a course perspective. Um, you know, but at the same time, maybe I do so it can be more sustainable and be, uh, you know, easier to maintain is probably not the word, but just like, you know, how do we, how do we make it so, you know, we can accomplish in an hour what usually takes us five. Um, that's 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 really all I'm thinking about. And, and how do we share it more? You know, how, how do we um, how do we enjoy it more? How, how how do we make it so it's not like every time we go out there, we know that we're going to have to go sweat and, um, you know, kill ourselves f physically um, and actually can go out and. and laugh and drink beer with our friends and do what we, we built it for in the first place. So um, those are the questions I'd, I'd love to find an answer to uh, sooner rather than later. For sure. Throughout the whole process, I mean, there's a, there's a ton of things that have gone your way and there's a lot oh, of yeah. things that honestly haven't gone your way, but made you stronger, made you fight back and dig a little deeper and, and probably in your case, be a little bit more vocal and say what you actually want. Yes. So along that same lines, I mean, what are you thankful for? Oof. Gosh. Um, I mean, everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm thankful for, um, thankful for the opportunity to like express myself in the dirt. Um, thankful for the opportunity to have an idea and be able to run with it. Um, I, I imagine there's so many people out there that, that do have brilliant ideas or have things that keep them up at night where they don't have that outlet. You know, maybe they live in the city and, and they love golf course architecture, but they're never going to go see Inverness. Right. Um, so to be able to have that, that outlet, to be able to have that, um, that route to, you know, put the idea on paper and, and actually, you know, make it happen. I, I think it's just like such a brilliant thing. Um, I'm thankful for my physical abilities, you know, my, my, I'm thankful for, you know, being able to have two legs and two arms and, um, and a, a get it done attitude. Like this could all be for nothing if I didn't have that. Um, thankful for, uh, my parents for instilling in me that like, 
you can do anything that you you put your your mind to. Um, thankful that my dad has shown me um, that obstacles are are just that there's something to get over and and um, go around and and keep charging for that end goal. Um, I'm thankful for my dad, you know, instilling in me that if it doesn't hurt physically, mentally, financially, emotionally, it doesn't matter, right? It's, it's, those are the things that are important. The things that make you uncomfortable, the things that, that stretch you are the things that you should do in this life, right? I'm just so thankful for that mentality mindset and uh, having that idea instilled early on and, and seeing my dad do those exact things with his Ironmans and, um, you know, what he's done for the, the family and, and his work ethic. And, you know, same for my mom. I mean, she's, she's absolutely brilliant and, you know, built a community of her own and, and, you know, she makes the most of her time. And that's just so, uh, just so thankful to have, you know, grown up with, with people that, that do that. And, um, they don't need someone to tell them what to do, right? They, they, they do it out of their own, out of their own energy bank. Um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm thankful for my, my now wife for allowing me to kind of chase that. And yeah, she gives me crap from time to time and yeah, she puts me in my place and, and that's what I'm thankful for as well. Right. If it was a total, just free for all, you know, who's to say what I would, would be like then, right. She, she's honest with me. She, um, tells me when I, I, when it's enough, when enough's enough, you know, she, she tells me when, um, I need to be thinking something else or when I'm being too hard on myself and, uh, you know, just, just thankful for everyone surrounding me that has, has made it work because at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm nothing without those people. And, and I truly feel that way. Thankful for, you know, my guys at BCN who committed a lot of their time and energy. They're not even golfers. They don't, they don't, they couldn't care less about the game um, and, and, you know, being willing to learn about it and, and grow within it and um, spend their time and energy away from their loved ones and, and, you know, everything that goes in, into that and sharing their skills with me. Right. I'm just so thankful to to have those type of people you know, surrounding me, um, you know, and, and thankful for the community for embracing it and, and being, um, willing to, you know, go along with the ride with us. Um, just uh, the list is endless. I could go on and on and on, but, uh, you know, those are the, the things that I'm, I'm just super thankful for. Um, you know, and I'm just thankful for the game of golf. Cause like, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's what I love and what I appreciate and, and the fact that you can experience it and enjoy it and embrace it in so many different ways is, is, you know, just extremely lucky to uh, to have that in my life because without that, I'm sure it'd be something else, but I just don't know what that would be. So um, just thankful for all that. <laughs>